honestly, um, I'd say for me, what I think is a core to, to not a core, but one facet of the reaction you're talking about that I think is a commonality to a lot of other reactions people are having is, um, a resistance to, to grieving, um, that, uh, when we when we lose something really important to us, we we have to go through some kind of grieving process. And sometimes sometimes it's really intense. Sometimes it's really mild. Um, it depends on the loss and, and other things going on in our lives and our ability to feel and process it. But kind of the um, you, you know everyone kind of knows the five stages of grieving, which is kind of um, not kind of considered like in therapy school, they were like, that's not really the current model that we're looking mm -hmm. at. Um, mm -hmm. what they talk about is the, the tasks of grieving, uh, or at least that's one model It's like four tasks of grieving. And the first task is to accept that something's been lost and feel the pain of it. No, the first task is to accept it's over. The second task is to feel the pain of losing it. And then the third task and the fourth task are about kind of figuring out how to adjust your life now that you've lost this thing like what adaptations what accommodations you need to make to stay functional and resilient while being maybe in relationship to what you've lost and so if you think about like losing you know a beloved like a dog that you really loved like there's really like acknowledging the dog's dead feeling all the sadness and anger like sadness and anger are both grief emotions and um, in a grieving process, we tend to kind of move between them. And so some people will find when they're grieving, they're irrationally angry or they're aware that their, their anger is kind of bigger and not rational. Like they'll find someone to blame that when you step back, you're like, it's, it's really not this person's fault, but, but the anger needs to go somewhere because it's a part of the, the grieving process. And so you kind of move back and forth between anger and sadness and then you start to kind of make adjustments of, you know, okay, what did this dog bring to my life? This dog brought comfort, companionship. What are some other ways I can meet those needs? Um, potentially getting a, a new dog, potentially other relationships, you know, you kind of kind of work it out for yourself and then, you know, going on with the rest of your life. And so uh, the people you're talking about, I think one thing I think is happening, it's very clear is that they are, um, kind of refusing the first task they are saying like we are not going to change we we want things to go back to how they were we want to keep going on with our lives as though nothing has happened as though you know like it's just we can just we can just ignore it like we can just keep going we can hold on to what normalcy we had and um, but then also i think they seem to be stuck in anger with all that um and and not feeling the pain of the loss, not feeling the helplessness, not feeling, uh, whereas I think others of us might be more in the sadness and feeling the pain of the loss and, uh, maybe struggling with the anger part of it. Um, and, and in some ways, as I say that, I think of like, you, you do kind of see the anger coming out and the anger tends to be directed, you know, at these people you're talking about or the people who aren't wearing masks at this, the supermarket. It's just like, you know, like those people are not causing the pandemic, but they're an accessible target to feel mad about. Uh, and, and all of that's actually important to feel sad and anger to kind of 
start composting and grinding down and, and giving up, uh, surrendering what, what you can no longer have, like that the old ways are gone and that we're in a process of, of, of loss. Like we don't know how much we're going to lose yet. And that's part of what's, what's kind of disorienting and scary. And so then the other piece about the conspiracy theory is I think that's a, a, a way of, of buffering that fundamental insecurity and that confrontation with how much we don't understand and aren't in control of our lives by creating this like grand narrative that somebody's at fault and somebody's in control. Like this is all designed, even if I don't like the design, like it's not just random happenstance. It's not that, you know, nature and, and history are bigger than, than our individual wills. It's like some cabal of evil people are, are doing this on purpose. I also I was thinking about it this morning, and I think like it must be very comforting to be a conspiracy theorist because you can kind of just always be kind of like smug and like better than other people because you like know something they don't, and and you never have to be completely right because every time something changes, you just fit it back into your narrative. So it really feels like a way of just staying in certainty and the safety of that, and not not acknowledging uncertainty and the, the fear of that well i feel like it kind of goes both ways because i think um what i mean what i mean by that is you've got people protesting saying that there is this is some conspiracy so in a sense they have control over a narrative which gives them a sense of pur- uh, purpose in what they're doing and how they're reacting to what's happening but on the other end of it you've got maybe people working within governments or who uh, exist within the centers of economic power. And they also have an illusion of control over the situation. Yeah. yeah. Um, that, yes, we will get back to normal because that's the only way of living that makes sense to us. Yeah. Um, and then everyone else that, like me, I, I, I'm trying to be more comfortable with the idea of not having answers or not knowing, you know, what the future actually holds. And I think what was most disturbing to me is that when this started, like I talk about, you know, climate change and environmental stuff all the time. And I have this strong sense that things are becoming less and less stable as a result of that. But I was admittedly like blindsided by this because it, it didn't, it wasn't this abstract thing anymore. It wasn't this thing that's on the horizon. It's actually present. Like we're present in this unknowing right now. Mm -hmm. Um, and I see this in, in mainstream news, like trying to reassure people that, yes, we have maybe several months more of this, to, but things will get back to normal. We will have a vaccine at some point. Right. And I think that they, they, don't, they don't want to admit that they don't have as much control over the situation as, as they do. Right. Yeah. And I think that's, I mean, I, it's, I think it's genuinely terrifying. Like, I don't think human brains can really sustain that 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 awareness of like really holding the uncertainty uh for very long like i think we can we can do it in kind of um like bits we can do like periods of it and we can be kind of shaped and kind of have our beliefs melted down but then we kind of develop these structures of belief to kind of accommodate it and um kind of buffer that that uncertainty uh even people who kind of 
um, are pessimistic. Like there's a kind of certainty and pessimism of just like, oh, everything is going to get bad. But but actually living in it is is really scary because we don't. You're really confronted with what you don't know, and I think that's a core experience to to trauma uh, is that feeling of helplessness and powerlessness that really felt sense of like, this world is not as predictable as I wanted to believe it was. And, but also that's not the complete truth either. I mean, it's not that this world is just this mess of chaos and destruction that we're just like having these illusions. There are things that there are structures, there are beliefs, um, that are sustainable, but it's kind of, um, it's this dance of letting those things be destroyed and then building something more resilient. And we're in the destruction phase and that's really forcing us to confront a lot of things Mm -hmm. about ourselves that are hard.